Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, I would love to keep this podcast relatively sponsor-free, and to do that, I need your support through Patreon. You can visit the support tab on my website to learn more about that. Your contributions through Patreon will keep the Life Enchanted content flowing and will also help me dedicate more time to expanding the content, i.e. the blog and newsletter and whatnot. But most importantly, a portion of every cent that comes through Patreon and my online store will be donated to Metro World Child. You can find out more about them through my website on that support tab. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for this episode is Chad Gardner of King's Kaleidoscope. And this episode has been a long time in the making, folks, and I'm very stoked to be sharing it with you guys. If you followed along with the podcast since the beginning, I'm sure that you're aware that the King's K song Enchanted really was the inspiration behind the name of this podcast. Uh, when the thoughts about what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to name the podcast were just swirling around in my head. Also, the music in the intro and the music in the outro of each episode is produced by Chad, so the dude really inadvertently already has his name all over this podcast. Uh, They are one of my all-time favorite bands with an insanely eclectic sound coupled with hard-hitting lyrics and awesome messages. Chad is an absolute wizard when it comes to production and vision and getting extremely talented musicians together to create songs that mix live instruments, including orchestral instruments, with electronic sounds and digital beats and whatnot. This was a really fun conversation for me, so without further ado, Chad Gardner, ladies and gentlemen. Sweet. We're live. Chad, welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, man. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. So I thought it'd be fitting for us to start with the term Enchanted, considering your song titled Enchanted heavily influenced the naming of this podcast. So let's rewind to 2016 real quick. What were you getting at when you wrote the lyrics, Break Me Free to Live Enchanted, Enchanted Beyond Control? Oh, man, you're making me... Dig, dig back a little bit in my memory here. <laughs> um, I mean, the that lyric really is as plain as, as can be in the sense that, um, well, actually, I, I would say if you start if you start with the verses to that song, mm-hmm. uh, 
my life felt very captured and dominated by technology and uh, just news coming at me and dictating uh, dictating my reactions almost to life. Like everything I was doing was reacting towards uh, towards towards just a lot of wildness and chaos in the world. And feeling like I had to try to find a way to compartmentalize or control things. I had to find a way to compartmentalize, um, you know, uh, my my emotional health, my spirituality, and 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 really, uh, basically, I was sitting in in uh, church one Sunday, and the my my pastor John was just talking about. He did a whole kind of sermon on this idea of like we're talking about living enchanted it Mm -hmm. wasn't precisely in those words but he did use the word enchanted and he was just talking about this difference between viewing the world as something that uh is to be figured out and in a sense like mastered or uh kind of cracked and that that leads to an existence that's really the existence you end up living is really cold and isolated and under control and it's sterile Mm. or seemingly under control versus uh you know a lot of the the feeling of like when in narnia they say that aslan isn't a tame lion and or um just this this world that you look at it and you go like man this is this is uh this is scary and it's dangerous, but there's a lot of adventure in this and I'm nervous about it, but I'm going to kind of be courageous and trust God in faith that he's going to protect me. And I'm going to kind of go forward into the fight. Um, and that life can yield a lot more vibrancy and beauty and just honestly reward in relationship and fellowship with God. And so um, it was kind of out of that sermon and then out of the, that time that I got the whole idea really for the whole record beyond control and enchanted this single really just kind of like set the main theme for yeah. the record. Um, yeah. Yeah. Going back to that sermon and, and what he was preaching it sounds like to me that it's li- more so like living in the present moment, um, walking with God in each moment, putting all your faith in him. And how does that cultivate itself in your daily life? Like, what is the self-talk like when you are finding yourself trying to over control things or trying to formulate rules of how to do things that leads to that cold demeanor, that cold mindset that you're referring to? Oh man, I don't think I, to be really honest, and I'll, I promise I'll keep it as honest as I can the whole podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I don't have, um, I mean, the, the most common thing I'm praying throughout the day is just help me Jesus. (laughs) I, I, I don't have that sort of like awareness generally that I'm like, I think, I think right now in my life, the thing I'd be most aware of is, uh, distraction, through uh just just from work mm-hmm. and then distraction from my time with my family and those things uh aren't neither of those things are bad things but if anything the theme in my life right now is just like not giving uh god 
any real quality time in that relationship. It's more of just like a help me in this, help me in this and kind of flying by the seat of my pants in, in more of an unhealthy way. But I, I don't, yeah, right now the rhythm of my life is less, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know when I wrote that album, you know, I had, um, I had, let's see, that was three years ago. So I had a one-year-old, my boy Ziggy was one years old mm -hmm. and I, I still operated with a lot of just, just time and just margin, mm -hmm. um, where, because you I, work out of your house, right? I mean, your studio is in yeah, your house. Yeah, my studio is in my basement. And, you know, now I have two kids. I got another little baby girl. And I really can't do that anymore because it's just too distracting. Mm -hmm. But at the time, there was just a lot of margin. Um, I had, I had, uh, you know, come out of a, come, come, I was just on the tip of coming out of a, probably the worst season of anxiety and sort of like, um, yeah, just, just, panic attacks and really kind of mental, like not a lot of mental health, probably in my whole life. Mm -hmm. I was just coming out of that season when I was writing that record. And so, but like, but I'm talking about the margin, just meaning like I had a lot of time to sit and and think and sort of wrestle just internally. And um, I probably was more aware then of a lot of things that were good to be aware of than I am right now, mm -hmm. because right now I'm just more scattered. Yeah. Um, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've experienced the same when, when we struggle, the silver lining is that we usually are forced to become way more intimate with God and yeah, yeah, gain perspective. Sure. And it's, it, it kind of sucks, honestly, because the times that my relationship with God has been the most dependent and the most consistent and the most fruitful are the times that I'm having the hardest time mentally. Um, right, right. Which sucks. That's a that's a crappy dynamic. It uh, it shouldn't be like that. But if you don't mind digging into those that that period of anxiety and whatnot, how how did you navigate your way through it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, mean, I tried all kinds of things, and I think I, I don't I don't have one thing that is like I can say pulled me out of it. Mm -hmm. And to get really like Ecclesiastes, everybody, <laughs> I don't know that if not now that I, I feel I have less of that. I mean, I still have serious bouts of it, but it's less consistent and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would say my life is like on the whole better. It's better in a lot of ways. It, it definitely is better in a lot of ways. But like you said, I definitely feel less dependent on God and that's not, probably ultimately good yeah um and i i just wrote a record uh about basically being too comfortable and uh not realizing my need mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. and such and wanting more zeal in my life so in that sense that's a that's a downside but um yeah i i think um Writing the album definitely helped me process it. Yeah. That was kind of beyond control is how I, how I sort of processed it. Um, but I was just, I mean, really, this is like the time of my life was just pretty day to day. Um, and I was really trying everything I could to attack it. So I was trying to eat really well. I was trying to run or go to the gym like almost every day. Mm -hmm. um, I ate 
tried some EMDR therapy that um, for me was was hard. I, I didn't really work for me, to be honest. Um, What's EMDR? I, I'm unfamiliar with that. EMDR. I actually don't remember what what the um, the letters stand for, but it's basically the connects the two sides of your brain, and so they do it a lot of different ways. You can do it with like uh, you work through a trauma, and you can do it with like moving your eyes back and forth or tapping on your shoulders oh, or yes, watching yes, the yes. light go back. Have you heard about that? Yes, I've heard and of it, tapping. It kind of, yeah, basically, it's a special kind of therapy, and it basically connects. It helps you as you reprocess a trauma. It helps connect the emotional side to the logical side of your brain, mm. and and literally like rewire your neural pathway. So, did you find that that I helped trying, at all? Uh, for me, it didn't. Okay. I, I mean, I yeah, I I think if anything, that just showed that I have really built up um, some like disassociation with all the the panic attacks and asthma attacks I had as a young kid, which is what I was trying to, I was trying to get down and rework those because mm. I think having those as a really young child and going to the hospital or the doctor or feeling like I couldn't breathe. I, I mean, I, from probably, you know, five or six years old till when I was about 10, there was a regular occurrence where I would look in the mirror and think I was going to die. Jeez. So I, I really developed as a, like a boy, a mistrust of my sort of my body and the, and like a disassociation with like uh, this thing, you know, this thing is going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it sounds, it was horrible. Um, but it also forced me into the hands of God and thinking about what life is and, and, you know, death and stuff like really early, which is, it's something that's, it was a lot for a little kid who, by, by and large, like I grew up in a great family. My parents mm -hmm. like, really cared for me and nurtured me and encouraged me to do music. And but I just had that thing and have you know dealt with it my whole life. Yeah. Um, what instigates those panic attacks? Yeah. If you if you don't mind me asking, because I mean I'm assuming it's not like uh, social or anything like that. Just because you're you're out there, you're you know yeah. the front man of an awesome band. But what what kind of instigates those panic attacks in your life? right now and really consistently for my whole life it's travel mm. so when i was a, and, and really it's it's being stuck because i can't not can't because i don't easily uh trust sort of just just like i keep saying my own body i think that it's going to kind of betray me or fail me i mean as a kid i would always know like when we were getting the car and go somewhere i always know like where the nearest hospital was in case something happened to me, in case I, wow. in case I had an asthma attack. And then it just, it carries on to adulthood now where it's like, when I fly somewhere, I always like, am, you know, fighting to think about like, okay, where are all the places the plane could land if I, if something goes wrong with my heart or, or wow. over like the, you know, if I, when I got to fly to freaking Australia, mm -hmm. like last, that's brutal for me. It's really hard. Yeah. And I have to like, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of work in it. And, um, and there's been moments, I mean, I would say two years ago, I really wasn't having a lot of that anxiety. And right now I am. And I don't know how everything flows. A lot of it has to do with the overall stress in my life. Yeah. Like, um, if I was telling you before we got on here, I'm moving this week. Mm -hmm. And so if I was to hop on a plane right now, it'd probably be worse. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of it has to do with travel. And uh, or that's, I would say that's my trigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, that is kind of the main one uh, socially. It's not as much, but that that one is the only one I can say it's consistent. It definitely pops up at other times, but that one is like, you know, Jan- end of January, I'm going to go to London. Mm-hmm. Probably a week before going to London, I'll see a spike in my anxiety and I'll have to just give it attention and focus and and it just it just takes work it takes a lot of energy yeah do you um, practice mindfulness or anything like that i don't i mm-hmm. should <laughs> yeah i mean it helps dude like it's 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 tricky to navigate as believers because it it has its roots in you know buddhism and these eastern mm-hmm. religions and whatnot but i mean <sighs> you can redeem anything for the glory of Christ. And I've seen it because I think you and I are similar um, in what we struggle with. And I've just seen it create a little bit of a space between the narrative in my mind and, you know, reality and just being able to Mm -hmm. kind of step back and develop some awareness of just observing that narrative. Um, So it's helped a little bit, but it's not like, I mean, people, you know, think that it immediately transforms their lives. It's like, I didn't really see the fruit of it until after a year of a fairly consistent practice, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. It helps, I guess a little bit. That's awesome. You mentioned that, that writing beyond control was, was kind of therapeutic and, and helped you through it. Do you do any other forms of writing, journaling, poetry, anything like that? Uh, not right now. No. Um, you know, I've done, I've done a fair bit of just journaling, like prayer journaling Mm -hmm. different times of my life. Um, and I still do that, you know, maybe a couple of times a month. Um, uh, but I think the only other type of writing I'll do is I will, and the the thing is it usually ends up in songs, but I, I just write down phrases you know, so if I look through my phone and my notes right now, there's probably two or three phrases I've just written down this week that would just pop in my head or that I hear and they just get me thinking. And then at some point they might influence like me uh, thinking about a whole song. Mm. But, you know, like, for example, this isn't a very cool quote, but the idea for me was big. Like yesterday I wrote down every idea is like a diamond. And I'll, I'll, I'll only, and that just made me think all day about how many sides to every idea there are and mm. like how many different angles and perspectives on every single idea they are or there there are. And anyways, that's just a dumb example, but no, that's I, I do that I do that pretty often. Mm. Yeah. So that's a good segue into your creative process. You is that typically how uh, a song will form its beginnings is that you just like have inspiration from an idea or a quote or a phrase or something like that and kind of just build on top of that or what is a typical process of going from nothing to a new king's k jam um yeah usually the usually i have all of the music pretty rolled out first like i am very um aesthetically driven and like sensory driven mm-hmm. uh feel i'm a feeling oriented person not as much as like a uh yeah anyways yeah so i uh i i make i make beats you know and um <laughs> that's just what i do that's what i've been doing since i was 13 and uh every day after school instead of doing my homework i would just come home and make beats <laughs> all afternoon and what you know, software not do, you do my use? homework uh, all of them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, Pro Tools, uh, Logic, Reason, all of the above. 
Yeah, probably not. I mean, I really, really, it's right now it's a lot of Ableton and then everything goes to Pro Tools. Mm. In the past, I've used a Logic a lot as well. Mm. Sometimes I still do. But um, yeah, so I'm, I, I make music and as I'm making beats, I get melodies. And to be honest, what usually happens, you know, probably a little bit of the majority of the time is I will get most of the song structure, most of the music, and a whole vocal melody verse chorus all that to completely done and after that's in there then i'll go and uh start writing lyrics mm. and figuring out what the feeling is and what the sort of like it's like it's like having a soundtrack and then having to like go ahead and put imagery to it with words yeah but the soundtrack's already written and i usually write with um my friends brian and zach yeah one or two or both of them and it usually w- looks like a lot of uh a lot of text messages for like a month. <laughs> so as as I'll just say like, Hey, here's four lines. What do you think about this? I'll send a demo and it's like, Oh, this is cool. Maybe, maybe we'll get together a couple of times, but, and then I, you know, uh, uh yeah, get, I, I go deep, man. We get the thesaurus going, yes. get all the rhyming dictionaries. <laughs> I'm not like, I, I have nothing off, nothing in lyrics comes off the top of my head almost ever like sometimes it does but it's very rare yeah usually that's that's the most technical that anything ever gets in my whole life <laughs> yeah that's awesome um yeah i like to nerd out on beats and whatnot so just to go back to that when you when you produce a beat do you typically start with drums do you typically start with a melody pad synths i mean what does that look like when you it's and it can literally be anything okay uh uh, I think what I, yeah, really can be anything. The things that probably get me going more than some other people would be, I, I really am into texture. So if, if a drum or a synth or a sample or whatever has a texture that I really like, that's something that I'll usually gravitate towards and start working with. And just build first. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then... Kings K is known for having a ton of orchestral instruments and whatnot. Yeah. What does that look like in your production? You have these different musicians just come in one by one and record record their sax or their violin mm-hmm. or whatever, and then you just lay it on top of what you already have? Yeah, usually it looks like that. And um, most of the time it does like that. We have done full orchestrations before and especially specifically on zeal mm-hmm. we did three yeah three whole songs where we actually one of the guys in the band um scored like did full scores and then we we it's crazy we sent them to budapest and there's like an orchestra there that recorded them and what? we like literally get on a video chat at like four in the morning <laughs> and it's crazy dude you watch them play they sit you're watching the orchestra in this like studio over there play it and you're texting with the conductor so he'll go like what? you have a half an hour yeah you have like a time slot and he'll be like okay <laughs> breathing infinity take one and they they sight read it and then he goes okay any notes and then john and i were like oh i don't really know you know i mean sometimes i know but john would be like the clarinet seem to be more legato in what? you know bar 37 and I, we type it to him, and he's like, okay, read me finish, take two. And they basically do it like six or seven times. And then uh, the files from Pro Tools just get uploaded straight to a server, and we download them like an hour later. What? And we have like 30 tracks of an orchestra. 
that's amazing <laughs> that is amazing how did you get linked up with those dudes just internet research or well a lot of my friends do scoring uh work or like for film yeah and that's how a lot of them do it so i learned about it through them wow. and i'll probably keep doing it but that's a different sound i mean that's a huge sound you know yeah um and you know we'll probably do some more of that in the future but more traditionally it's been like a lot of overdubs and it's very it really is kind of like jazz yeah where the guys get in and it's the same thing you'd be doing with like a drummer or guitar player we're just messing around with ideas and oh that's cool let's do it four times okay we need this harmony i and a lot of the ideas come from me just singing stuff to the musicians and yeah. having them repeat it yeah what determines if you use live drums or digital drums? Because I, I feel for your drummers, man. My, 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 um, <laughs> my dad is a drummer and I grew up playing the drums. Same with my brother yeah. and whatnot. So I, I like to pay attention to the drummer, dude. And I'll never forget. I've been to numerous of your shows. And when you came yeah. to, um, the boardwalk in, uh, Sacramento, Andrew, oh, yeah. dude, Andrew was just, I just felt for that dude. He was just dripping sweat. I mean, he was, yeah. Andrew was super dope um, and could keep up. But when you're laying down a track, are you mindful of like, man, this is, is it, is it like an intentional decision? Like this is going to be a digital drum song or this is going to be a live drum song because you ultimately know that you might have to play it live. Like, how do you navigate the drums? Uh that's a great question. I think I, I, I prefer them to always be a massive hybrid sound. Yeah. Um, I really like it to feel like it's a live guy playing, um, with the, with the texture and the feel of them. But I also really want them to like, to bump, like, because I yeah. come from hip hop. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't think there's probably, maybe on our first record there's songs where we didn't we didn't like layer with samples but not a lot i mean the big king's drum songs like the felix culpa like yeah. there is hip-hop kick and a hip-hop snare tucked under every single one of those hits um and then like defender even is like a huge drum song i think that one's got a little bit of samples underneath it but um i think yeah i don't know i mean one of my favorite things that we do right now is um yeah we have like a a big like bigger sounding hip-hop like foundation yeah and then we just do a lot of live stuff on top of it so like on zeal like about to break yeah would be an example of that mm -hmm. tons of live percussion full live drum kit playing but we started the loop with like a bigger sounding you know kick and snare mm. yeah yeah. yeah, I love the The hip-hop influence is huge, and you can see it. And I think that's one of the reasons that, I mean, to me, you have been so successful is that it's such an eclectic mix of all these different styles of music and influences and whatnot. But the underlying hip-hop theme and your your ability to switch between time signatures and, and go to halftime <clears throat> and break it down, like, it's it's something very refreshing and different in the christian music world i don't even like that term christian music but just mm -hmm. you guys were yeah. kind of the first band that had an awesome faith-filled message and that was mm -hmm. real but it wasn't worship music that was kind of like sad and all you know four on the floor kicks and just the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again um 
do you feel like because your music is so uh what's the right wording here but it's 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 almost it's not mainstream but it's it's it can blend in with what is on the radio maybe a little bit or blend in with just like hip-hop and whatnot but also has this strong christian message do you think that that's like your core competency wow core that's what my core competency is that's that's (laughs) that's my marketing verbiage from san diego state (laughs) university coming out yeah i love it um yeah i mean the way i answer that question is that you know a lot of the foundation of of what i wanted to do when i was like you know 17 18 19 20 was i i i had a i had a uh definitely like some pride in there but also just it's what drove me honestly is i just i just i thought christian music was trash mm-hmm. and i didn't <laughs> like that um i mean i hated it like all day all i do is make fun of hillsong and chris tomlin and like <laughs> and it was like bad i mean and now and now i don't like that because every uh every cool like christian what what like it's just too saturated and i never like to do what everybody else is doing yeah so now i'm like what are you talking about you watch the whole song documentary it's incredible yeah i yeah. wish i could go write a song with joel um <laughs> to, i'm serious like i do like, totally. and i told Gungu when i met him like four years ago he, he didn't remember at all he barely remembers me probably but i was like dude i'm sorry man i used to just be an asshole about you sorry <laughs> i don't know if i can swear no, you know good. i used to just make funny all the time um and he like gave me his book and i read his book and i was like sheesh this book is amazing like it's really good i think he's you know i disagree with him on tons of stuff but i thought his book was awesome so anyways all that said i kind of came out swinging really hard when i was working at mars hill kind of like i'm gonna take over the world and i'm gonna i'm gonna uh i'm basically gonna like prove to everybody that i can make raw faith music that's like really 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 uh beautiful and technical and incredible and yes like just not uh just good and you know i mean the good things about that is that it worked i mean the first thing i did was the sin ep which if anybody has ever listened to that thing it's it's really gnarly and it's wild and yeah it's coming out <laughs> swinging um the the bad thing about it is it's like well, okay who cares but what are you saying you yeah. know and so our first record like our first record is I feel like it's like a mixtape because it has some songs from Mars Hill. I mean, a few, just a few hymns. I only wrote like three songs in the whole record and all the rest of them were like songs that Brian or Zach had written mm. that were going to be put on Mars Hill records and that Kings took. So it doesn't really feel musically. It definitely feels like a Kings Classic record, but I was in a place where that's all I was trying to do is just prove my musicality to everybody and I wasn't really like writing, you know, like me. So that's why Beyond Control felt like really felt for me like my first record. Yeah. Because I actually, um, I always say that our Beyond Becoming Who We Are. The question I was really asking myself in hindsight is, can I make a record? Mm. And the answer is, I could. And because it, it never felt like could I actually make a record? And then Beyond Control, the question I was asking is, can I write songs? Mm. Um, and I think that you can hear it like the songs are just way more personal yeah and um yeah i think the songs just mean a lot more Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. to me at least i mean the music you guys put out is timeless man i i still i've probably spun becoming who we are 
10,000 times and I can't play yeah. it out and I play out records easily. I just run them <laughs> into the ground, dude. But the, yeah. the music you guys are putting out is timeless and I'm just, that's, that's real. Um, but there's, there's obviously always haters out there and I'm sure there's some, and I've heard you kind of talk about this, but I'm sure there's some legalistic Kings K Chad Gardner critics out there who think that you're too cultured, too involved with pop culture or, you know, rocking Yeezys or commenting how, you know, Kanye was a big influence on you and hip hop was a big influence on you or the whole, a prayer, um, curse word drama and stuff like that. What what do you say to those people? Uh, well, the thing is, I haven't <laughs> I haven't had to deal with a lot of those people for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you learned <laughs> your lesson. Been a few years. <laughs> well, I didn't learn my lesson. I did it on purpose. Yeah, it was like uh, it was like. Uh, I mean, when we when we chose to release prayer as is. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt like changing it would have changed the integrity of the art mm. and, um, and in a sense of the testimony. Yeah. I really don't like the idea of, um, you know, sit, go, going to a fellow believer's house, sitting on their couch weeping and telling them all this, all, all the stuff I'm going through and feeling like I have to censor myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I didn't. And also I do really just respect people's beliefs. Uh, just period, like blank, blank statement. I really do. And so that goes for non-Christian friends, uh, ex-Christian friends or Christians that think stuff that I don't think at all. And so that's why we did a we did the clean version. Like that's why the CDs only coming clean. Mm-hmm. That's why you know there's clean on uh, Spotify. Although nobody ever wanted to listen to it, it's <laughs> buried and it's hard to find. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to be honest. That's so, uh, um, yeah. In that sense, like I, I, I would just say that yeah, I really respect those people, and I don't. I'm not out to like prove anything. Um, it was more about like. Okay, so let me get this straight. If I don't, if I don't release this, if I release this only in an edited form, Christian festivals will still want to book us. Uh, Lifeway Christian thing will still want to carry our things. Maybe down the road we get we could play a passion or whatever all the stuff is. And it just felt to me like I, I'm just not good at the game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be. I don't want to play the game. And I know that you kind of have to in some realm, but. So far, King's Kaleidoscope has been very much able to not play the game yeah. and really do our own thing. And in that sense, I think it gives the art just just more longevity and it can be more relatable. And the thing is, is that that song, I, we have never heard more feedback of that song helping people through suicide, like yes. suicide attempts, like uh, just depression um when people have family members that get sick or somebody's dying of cancer like there's a lot of songs that people will email us about but that is the main song and it's like oh why because it's just a feeling you know and Mm -hmm. i'm not cursing god i'm not like this i just show and it's not even to me it's just like such not a big deal it's like you just leave the emotion the way it is and that's my that's my role here my role is to 
be a, a believer that helps people connect their emotion to truth, mm. you know? And so one of my big roles is to be as emotional and honest as possible and as human as possible and in lyrically meet myself with the truth that I need to hear because that's what everybody else needs to hear. But if I don't, if, I, if I'm insincere with my emotion, um, I, 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 it's like the truth won't even hit as hard after yeah. the fact, you know? Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, your authenticity, I think, is is going back to the core competency. You're just doing you. You're being Chad Gardner, and you're creating dope beats with, and you're you're integrating orchestral instruments and writing lyrics that are you. And authenticity sells, especially in art. No one wants a, a copycat or a duplicate of mm-hmm. something else. And and I think it's also going back to just like being refreshing. It's it's refreshing for Christians to to hear that side of you, to see you in mm-hmm. in that light, and have that platform, and to just hear that you're just being real. And it helps us navigate our downfalls and all our pitfalls because a lot of the Christian music out there just like makes you feel convicted, and it's not super real. It doesn't talk about struggle, you know, a ton. Mm-hmm. So to hear you go through that and to process it out is super powerful and you can hear you can hear the pain in your voice my sister started listening to you guys recently and she hit me up on her way back from work like two months ago and (laughs) said she had to pull over after listening to a prayer because she just wanted to cry when when you respond as jesus um you know it's just like that's it's one of the most powerful songs and if people haven't heard that song by now i mean shame on you go listen to it right now it will you know tug a chord in you um so just keep doing what you're doing man i really i really encourage you dude Um, you've really bootstrapped and and have done a lot of the marketing and recording and promotion and production yourself which is a ton of work i know and i'm sure there are some things that you wish you could have done differently um but with that what has been your favorite failure thus far or or what is something unfortunate question yeah what's something unfortunate that's happened favorite failure oh my gosh Who'd you lift that from? That's incredible. That sounds like a Malcolm Gladwell or something. Like <laughs> I still Tim Ferriss likes to ask that question. Okay, there movies. you go. There you go. Yeah. Um. Goodness, man. I feel like we we mess things up so bad that I'm constantly getting back on the horse. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of like one big example. Mm-hmm. Uh. What was the other way you phrased the question? What. Uh, what's something unfortunate that's happened throughout all of this that's really given you like perspective or helped you grow or learn to do things better the next time? It's, it's hard for me to answer that with one thing because every single day I feel like I'm shooting in the dark. Totally. Like me and my manager running around shooting in the dark. If you follow us on socials, I, it takes me probably three posts to get it right. Like if you see something that usually will disappear the next second, it's like a constant um, thing, man. I, I think, um, I mean, I could, I could do all kinds of things. Uh, it's, I don't know that there's, okay. Favorite failure would be, maybe be this. I would say one of them, there's probably a billion would be signing with tooth and nail out of the gate. Mm. Um, 
I think it's my favorite because they definitely gave us some legitimacy and a platform and just like people could look at us and take us a little bit seriously. Mm -hmm. And you Um, released Becoming Who We Are through Tooth and Nail, correct? Yeah, and Beyond Control. And Beyond Control. Uh, Well, Beyond Control says gospel song records, but it's Tooth and Nail. Um, Yeah, so we we signed for two records with them. And uh, in hindsight... Not because they're horrible people or anything, but I just wouldn't do it. Mm. I think that the place they're at as a label couldn't really do much for us, to be honest. And I mean, they took half the money, so yeah. <laughs> plus more. So, and I and I think, and the other thing is, I think I wouldn't have known that at the time. So I don't think I, it was like. But looking at it in hindsight, I go: the reality is, we were never going to fit in anybody's marketing lane or distribution channel. Mm. or sort of plan and so we just it just cost us a lot to do that it really did like it cost us a lot of money and a lot of back and forth energy of not understanding like what do you mean like we just sold all these records i get paid twice a year and i'm you know 20 like six or i'm trying to figure it out like it just it cost us a lot of of drama Mm. and seeing where we are now and how knowing myself more of how DIY I like to be in uh, team kind of close to the chest. Anyways, we probably should have just done that from the get go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have, that probably would have helped us. Uh, I would say maybe this is, this is a, I'll just throw this out there. So these people, I, I don't even know why this is one that's interesting to me. Favorite failure. Um, Cause I don't think it's really a failure. I think it's what God wanted. And I still am kind of mad about it to this day, <laughs> <laughs> but I always think about, so I'm 31. What would my life be like if I had never gone to work for Mars Hill? Mm. Not because I think Mars Hill was a bad place to be. There's a lot of obviously awful things about it, but it by and large, uh, I've met all of my closest friends there. I met my wife there. The band started there. Like it was great for a lot of reasons as well. But just because I think, okay, 21 years old, started working there, left there when I was 25, I think 25 or 26. If I would have started making records when I was 21 and started going on tour when I was 21 and not lost those five years, what Mm -hmm. would my career be like? The thing, the reason I say, uh, favorite failures is not really a, failure like if it was up to me i would call it a failure Mm -hmm. but the reason is probably my favorite thing that has happened in the other sense is that i met my wife there yeah like i have a stable marriage and like you know like uh, a healthy family and Mm -hmm. i got put through the ringer and i got pastored very well by a lot of people and um it formed who I who I am in a lot of ways to that I can go on and not just be uh, kind of lost in music all by myself. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's good. Let's I can keep going. Let's talk about your wife real quick, if you don't mind, because I feel like she's kind of flying under the radar and she's low key yes. like a very pivotal person in regards to on obviously your family and whatnot but i recently mm-hmm. saw you say something about her being the like ceo of rainbow records or something like that or yeah. <laughs> so t- she, talk to uh, us about rainbow records and your wife's involvement and just the rock yeah. that i know she is she 
So my wife, Alex, uh, we're just complete opposites. She, you know, I, 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 uh, I almost didn't graduate high school. She graduated like top of the class from the business school at university of Washington. Um, you know, she's a go getter in that way. Um, but she, she's, she's basically the backbone of Kings in the sense that she manages all the finances, pays all the guys, does all the, you know, taxes with our CPA, Mm -hmm. um, keeps us all organized on that front, which is a ton of work. Yeah. And the other thing is bands kind of at our size, like indie, you know, like indie bands at our level, like a lot of them have, uh, actual music business managers, you know, and those, and, and they, they can be great, but it just creates a lot of back and forth for the manager. And it creates a lot of just technical stuff. They don't understand. So having my wife be involved from day one, which like, you know, in business where we talk about this, like we have never like taken a loan out to do anything with Kings. Kings. Mm. We literally built the whole thing with a debit card. Like with, we'd like, we want to go make a thing. It's like, okay, well you got to play, go play a show to be able to, you know, buy a piece of gear or whatever. Like we built the whole thing that way. Um, which is crazy. And now we are six years later and, uh, we started a record label. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it's, it sounds small because you get to the ocean handles all the money, but the reality is for most bands, that's how they get screwed over. Yeah. It's because they have a management system that doesn't do it. The fact that my wife is talented at that and really good at that and can run that is great. And so when we were like, we're going to do random records, <laughs> she just went, she just went and got the thing and she's like, I'm owning this one. <laughs> which, was, which was really funny. Um, and you know, early on in the band, she was doing a lot more than that. She was, booking flights and you know planning travel and uh doing scheduling and stuff like that and it's it really is like our it's like our family's small business you know like this is what we both do full-time i mean she's she's a mom full-time but you know twice once or twice a week she's got to go out and hunker down for a few hours and and just work and this is like what we do and it's really cool like we, we love it like we wouldn't be doing anything else that's so cool, man. That's really cool. So we yeah. only have a couple minutes left, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the song that you did on Out Circuit's album. I'm sure you're not expecting this question. Um, because, <laughs> so yeah, that's, I, I feel like nobody listens to that jam, and it's extremely, extremely dope and unique <laughs> and original. The song, for those of you that don't know, is. is titled Wave Man. And yeah. part of the, I mean, it's, it's hauntingly dope. It's, it's so good, dude. And like one of the lyrics you say is still, I live, still, I fight, still yet yeah. wandering, still, I am a dangerous man. What, mm-hmm. what is kind of the message behind that jam or how did it come together? Just talk to me about that song because I love it. <laughs> that's, that's a great, I love that you're bringing this up. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's my buddy Nate's song. So, uh, Nate Burke is a musician he played in a band called frotus and his band is the out circuit which really his solo act Mm -hmm. and so i mean i didn't write anything on that that's all him i'm just the vocalist but so he wrote all those lyrics oh he writes yeah he writes lyrics on the whole album that song the one with dust and all that so um but nate and i got really close because we were kind of in the trenches together at mars hill when it was uh just like the, the dying days where we were like slugging it out. Um, and uh, we just worked together. 
uh, me, him, and a couple other guys. But and we just, I mean, I I love that guy. And so when he was gonna kind of work on a record, um, you know, over to my studio and we work on it a few times, and then he wanted me to sing it, and that's really mm-hmm. it. I, I don't. I don't want to speak into it too much because it's really his thing. But yeah, that yeah. song is definitely. If you go and just listen to it or read the lyrics, yeah, that song is kind of. Uh, it, it kind of is like the. Uh, that song would be kind of a little bit of the, the Mars Hill, uh, mm. reflection in in those lyrics. So if you if you go back and listen to it through those, through that lens. Yeah, uh, it might make a little more sense. To I you. could for sure see that. I could for sure see yeah. that. That's awesome. That's great to have that context there. The song just got even yeah. doper somehow. <laughs> um, yeah. So, a couple more rapid fire questions. Who is on your current playlists, man? Who are you listening to right now? Uh, well, you caught me at a, at a probably a better time than usual. I get asked this question all the time in uh, meet and greets, and I usually when I'm making record, I always have to say I, I'm not listening to anything. Mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts, and then I listen to what I'm working on on repeat all day, every day, obsessively. Mm. Um, but let me just look, because right now I'm actually not making records. So, oh, okay. my buddy Nick, his band's called the Pressure Kids. Pressure Kids, and they're really good. They're like a bunch of Nashville, like. Uh, like songwriting college graduates that are just Sick. really good if you like kind of indie alternative yeah death cab kind of stuff um i've been going back and listening to a lot of tribe called quest yes, and sir. nard right now and uh because the jesus is king album came out after i listened to that a, a couple times i went back and listened to life of pablo yeah a lot Cause I, yeah, cause I was like, okay, maybe I can get, maybe I can get into this, you know, Jesus is King thing. Like there's some cool moments on it for sure. And then I went back and listened to like Pablo and I was like, gosh, can we, can the, can Jesus is King part two be a little fierce? Like, yeah, yeah. I need, I need Kanye to be like a lion for the kingdom, <laughs> not yes, like a dude. choir director as much. You know what I mean? It's yeah. cool, but like, he just used to be nasty. I, mm. I need some like teeth. Anyways, you saw he was in the studio with Dr. Dre yesterday. Did yeah, you see that? Yeah. yeah. We'll, so yeah, we'll see what that comes to be. <laughs> I know. Be real interesting. What about podcasts? What podcasts are you listening to besides the Life Enchanted podcast, of course? <laughs> Come on. Now. Uh, the Hoop Collective. That's my basketball go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm moving this, this week, so I'm going to be unpacking a lot. I'll probably hit up. Uh, this American Life every once in a while, and all right, this is a this is like a uh, this is like a real like confession here. Uh, Rebel Force Radio <laughs> <laughs> is like the most drawn out, sloppy podcast possible. It's a Star Wars <laughs> podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and I have listened to the last. I've listened, like, on and off. I've listened to it occasionally, but I've definitely listened to the last two episodes on The Mandalorian. Like, they do, like, after show, like, they do, you know, after they watch it, they, they record a podcast, and I've listened to those. That's And awesome. I don't even know if they're good. I just like thinking about <laughs> the Star Wars stuff, and it's, like, the only one I can find. <laughs> and it's just yeah. terrible, but you'll just take it. It's not, I mean, it's just, like, sometimes they get a guy in there that, like, you know, works at Disney, and he's got cool insight, and, like, and whatnot uh but but 
most of the time it's just not <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah. what's next for you and kings man um doing uh, honestly it's it's getting me in my new house mm-hmm. new studio and um hunkering down and just making making stuff like i want to release more music this year i want to help all the guy all my friends in the band release music you know rambo records is kind of the the channel for all the guys in King's Kaleidoscope that have their own stuff that mm-hmm. I am telling them they have to release. I don't even know if they mm-hmm. would otherwise, but like Daniel Steele needs to release music. Yes. Max with Oli needs to keep releasing music. John, our whiz who, you know, writes all our orchestrations and does electronic music has got an electronic album he needs to release. So it's just, it's just basically literally building a place where I can get those guys in there and, um, just create a whole bunch and then uh so hopefully new music is going to be coming in the spring and then uh hopefully a bigger tour again in the fall um to be announced but uh it should be a pretty big one yeah right on man thank you i'll link to all things king's kaleidoscope in the show notes dude chad i really appreciate you doing this man hey thanks so much hopefully we'll see you at the show soon yes you will man you definitely will all right guys all right man A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to capitalfloats.com and use the promo code life enchanted with no spaces at checkout if you're in northern california you definitely want to take advantage of this please remember that i am not a doctor so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet supplement or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes if you're interested in connecting with me you can send an email to nick n-i-c-k at mylifeenchanted.com or you can find me on instagram at mylifeenchanted peace